about somebody's Game Spots Wrestling Podcast about wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I am your host, back from the dead, three-time award winner, never won an award, I don't know what that means, Matt Elfring. With me, as always, the man with the plan, Dark Order member, Chris E. Hainer. The E stands for excitement. How you doing, Chris? Uh, join the Dark Order, Matt. Join DarkOrder.com. You're back, baby. I'm back. Yeah, uh, You were gone last week. What happened? Well, Chris, here's the thing. I got that second vaccine shot, Ooh. and it laid me on my butt for two days. Oh, snap. Did you get... Now, no. Real talk. Yeah. Did you, did you get that Pfizer? Did you get that Moderna? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it because it... it, it uh, doesn't that break HIPAA laws or something? I mean, I think it breaks HIPAA laws if a doctor tells someone what you got. I think you're allowed to say whatever you want. I got one of them. I didn't get Johnson and Johnson because it would I had- be great if you got one of each. <laughs> you got one of each. <laughs> like I decided to mix it up, see what's going on. I actually had them put both shots into a cocktail glass, mix it up, I and then I drank it. it. <laughs> Throw a little whiskey in there. It tastes delicious. So that that Tuesday morning, um, I slept for I think it was sixteen hours. Mm-hmm. You were very good down. Sleep. I like y- you even tried to work during COVID. You worked a lot during when you had I worked, COVID. I worked when I had COVID most of the time. Actually, you were gone for this. Mm-hmm. And then the well, that's because um, the head of the news department, Chris Pereira, said, "Hey." Don't come to work. <laughs> I believe I also told you not to come to work because Matt, you need to not do that. Yeah. When I when I had COVID, now, but on the flip side, when I had COVID, I was out. I was gone. I was yes, a ghost. you were smart. Uh, when I, but when I got the vaccination, and I was in, I was in. Let's be honest, I was in hell for a couple of days for mm-hmm. each shot. Like I didn't stop, and it cut to me. Like, I'm pretty sure if you listen to those episodes, I don't remember which ones they were. I do not sound nearly as alert as normal. But Mm-mm. also, uh, if you would have been in the room with me in my in my living room slash dining room, I was literally falling asleep at the desk as yeah. I worked. You were you guys were lucky to get the Jake Hagar interview because uh, <laughs> I edited that super late Wednesday night because I was actually feeling like, OK. Yeah, that was that that was uh, and as Jake Hager said, he doesn't believe you like him. I do like uh, him. And but like me and him are best friends now. So we're going to hang out, I'm assuming, in uh, Tampa, Florida or wherever mm-hmm. he lives in Florida near. We're going to hang out at Daly's place uh, nice. and just reminisce about the blood and guts days, which as you're listening to this now, blood and guts was last night. As we're recording this, blood and guts is tomorrow. It's not happened. I would like to uh, reinforce to you all out there. Hey. Get the coronavirus vaccine. Yes. Yes. I had two days where I was sick and didn't get out of bed for one of them. Um, As someone who has had COVID, just like Chris, we can attest. It's a lot better than having (laughs) COVID. (laughs) At no point while I was going through my vaccination side effects that I think, hey, I wonder if I'll die tomorrow. Yeah. Which is a thought I had a lot during COVID. Like, I wonder if this is my last day on this planet. I had, should I go to the hospital? I can't breathe very good. I, I, oh man, the headache, the headache killed the COVID headaches and the COVID sleeps were the worst. Yeah. Oof. Oof. But anyway, two days I am going to be, Chris is already fully, fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaxxed, bro. I went to Disneyland last week. I went to karaoke on Saturday night. Now, full disclosure, I went to Disneyland, which is uh, uh, at a very low, like 25% capacity. They're keeping everything distance. Everyone's masked. I went to karaoke with a very small group of fully vaccinated friends in a private room. 
So like, I'm still not out in the world. I haven't gone back to the movies. I'm scared of go. I was supposed to go back to the movie theater to see Mortal Kombat with a group of people. And then we all decided at the last minute, like, uh, let's just go watch this on HBO Max. Yeah. I, I, by the time you guys hear this, I'm about three days out from being fully vaccinated. And my big plans are, um, uh, I don't have any. D&D group with your buds eventually. I yeah, that, that's I'm a month away from D&D with my my buddies again. Um, it's been over a year since I've played D&D and it is killing me. I will say, even though I'm not prepared to jump back into the world, as it were, um, get the like the like, I don't know about you, Matt. It was a very emotional moment when I got that second shot. And I was like, oh, it's almost like I've breathed a sigh of relief where I was like, OK, that part's out of the way now. So yeah. hopefully things will just get a little bit better day by day. Yeah, it's, you know, everybody in our house, our, our son won't be able to get vaccinated until September when it's open to uh, kids. So. But as we both know, your son is a Kryptonian and thus he is not susceptible to stupid human diseases and viruses. Uh, my favorite thing about this week's episode is uh, Matt knows what one of the segments are because he needed to have some input on it. He will find out what the second segment is right now, just like you, Matt, later on in the show. We're going to be talking about Vince McMahon's favorite child. I speak, of course, of Hornswoggle McMahon. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're talking Hornswoggle McMahon. Uh, my one of my favorite dumb things that WWE's ever done. Does it make sense? No, we'll get into why. But before that, I don't before you get any comment in on that. Mm hmm. We got a little bit of a not a debate, maybe a discussion. We're going to compare lists, the lists okay. of Wrestle Buddies. Uh, Matt and I have each come up with our five favorite and maybe a couple of least favorite wrestling finishers. This is like this is almost like one of our very first segments where we debated uh, our, like top. We debated. Well, in the original pilot, we debated entrance theme songs until yes. legal told us no. Don't do that. No, until you, we told legal. No, I don't think we can do this. Is that how it happened? I don't remember. Matt, that was that was literally a year ago. Yeah, they wanted us to put the oh, actual music right. in the episode. And I'm like, oh, we can't do we, that. Music only, is a no music isn't covered under fair use. It's a really weird area. And I feel like WWE would call us out on it. Yeah. If they were wise. Why? But we've I think we've also talked about like our fate, obviously our favorite video games, video games. Mm -hmm. I think we might have done like our favorite stables at some point. If not, I that's one yeah. I wanted to do. So maybe that's just something we haven't done yet. I don't really know. We've done a lot of episodes, Matt. This is number 52. I know you kept saying in the postscript of last week's episode that, that was 52, but it's not. That was a mini this is, episode. This is 53 this week. No, this is 52. Last week's episode was a mini. If you look at it in the podcast apps, if you look at it in our platform, it is labeled as a bonus episode, a mini. At episode. the time I was editing it, it was I did not know it was a mini episode. I thought it was going to be a full one. So this week it is labeled in audition that this is 53. Not in my computer. In my computer, it's labeled as 52. Well, and, I wasn't and, involved and, in the planning. And, and he, I know because you were sick and that's fine. But Matt, how many full episodes do we have that just has one 20 minute interview? And that's literally it. It should be all of them. <laughs> it would make a lot less work for us. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk. Let's talk wrestling finishers. Every 
I was going to say every notable superstar in wrestling has one, but honestly, every wrestler has that move that finishes thing off, whether mm-hmm. it's Maven hitting a very rudimentary drop kick. You remember, oh. Maven? remember Maven? Remember Maven and his drop kick? You mean Tough Enough winner number season one? Yeah, Maven who drop kicked The Undertaker out of the Royal Rumble one year. And then got heat for that somehow? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the rock bottom. The rock bottom's a move. Ken Shamrock has the ankle lock. I guess mm-hmm. Kurt Angle also has the ankle lock. Um, I, I would say, uh, you know what? Kurt Angle has the ankle lock. I would say Ken Shamrock, I guess, also has the ankle lock. It felt good to reverse those two. And who can forget the best finisher of all time, which neither of us listed, uh, Steve Blackman's entrance. <laughs> Just... Did eat that weird quiet EDM oh, music? It, it finished me off every <laughs> single time. Like I was down for the count. I was knocked out for days once after watching the Titantron version of Steve Blackman on YouTube. I was just dead to the war. That's that actually. I didn't get the vaccine last week. I just watched Steve Blackman's Titantron video on YouTube. And I was out of work for two days. Boom, 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 boom. boom, Scribble sticks, scribble sticks, scribble sticks. (laughs) Remember raves, guys? Rave, rave, rave. It was like, yeah, it was like he, it was like a rave song and he was using broken glow sticks at a rave. (laughs) (laughs) You remember the late nineties when every idiot talked about how much they love raves, but no one went to raves. I hated the idea. I never went to a rave. I hated the idea of them. I never wanted to go to one. Um, I remember one time on a family visit to, Los Angeles to go to Universal Studios and to go to Disneyland. Uh, we went to Universal City Walk, which at the time had like an all ages nightclub. Nice. And I didn't go into it, but walking by it, I saw a kid who had like glow stuff in his mouth and had mm-hmm. like glowing things on his hand. And he was doing just like waving everything. Oh, the magic around. ball. The magic ball of electric raving. I'm doing it right now. Pass yeah. it to you. Yeah. And it was and I just looked at it. I was like, this is the worst human. <laughs> I was I, so not into it. Do you remember? Um, I don't know if the, this was everybody, but like people who were into raves would always have like pacifiers on yeah. necklaces. That was such a weird thing. I knew so many people that like the goth rave kids at my school all had that in Jenko jeans. I heard I heard now this this could be wrong. I heard a story uh, growing up that those those there were drugs in those pacifiers. Do we think that's a thing? I, like I maybe don't it was think, dipped in acid or maybe like it had. I don't think the kids at my something? school were that smart. They were dumb. They were big. Those kids were big dummies. Oh, uh, so they they put like marijuana in it. <laughs> they were like, this is how you get high, right? No, there was never anything in them. They were just like, I'm trying to fit in. But they would tell me like, I did ecstasy at a rave and this is great if it's in your mouth and you're raving. I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. Oh, uh, oh so wait, the pacifier would like accentuate the high as it were i don't know i have never uh touched that drug in my life so i could not tell you yeah or been to a rave or sucked on a pacifier as an adult i've seen enough i've seen enough movies with raves in them that i feel like i have a good understanding of what consists at a rave and not for me yeah, like my idea of a rave is watching the movie Go or the movie 24 Hour Party People or the third Matrix movie or, or the, the second. Third, or <laughs> whatever. Honestly, any of the Matrix movies. 
They all like I, I assume that I assumed that everyone at a rave in the year 2001 just looked like an extra from the Matrix. That makes perfect sense. Right. I, like, I've been to EDM out. shows and those were awful. And I'm I pretty sure that not. EDM shows are just a rave, but there's no structure. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want uh, to pay to get a ticket to go to an EDM show. Also, the EDM show was terrible. It was so bad. Uh, the closest I've been is uh, one time when I went and saw Paul McCartney. Stay with me, bro. I'm uh, here. His opening act was a DJ that DJ techno music. Nice. I mean, I went. I like. I've been to like a like tons of like shiny toy gun shows, and they're kind of an electro rock situation. So like, maybe I think that I've counts. also been to a shiny toy gun show. They are one of my favorite bands to see live. It is always a great show. Um, but like it, that is, that is, that is sort of the deepest I get into any sort of electronic style music. It's just not for me, it's, which is not like, it's not bad. It's just like, not, it's not, it's not for my ears. We'll say no, no. How about that dubstep guys? Is that still cool? Um, I only know about the pig step song from Minecraft. <laughs> I know about, uh, Skrillex. Oh, there you go. That's. That's all I know, actually. Why isn't why hasn't there been like an EDM nerd wrestling gimmick? Uh, like, but is, like Blake is and Sammy Murphy Callahan kind of. No, Sammy Callahan was like a like Mr. Robot. He was like yeah. a hacker who would like pound the ring until all the video screens turned to static or some That's such true. nonsense. No way. Uh, oh, do, oh, do you mean outside of WWE? Yeah, I meant like Impact. Like he's very oh, I thought, like I thought in Impact he just liked to beat people up with baseball bats and stuff. Yeah, but I mean like he feels very like he could be at a rave. He he feels like someone who would be at a rave. Yeah. Yes. But he like follows I'm, us on Twitter. Let's just ask him. Hey Sammy. <laughs> hey Sammy, you like raves? You in that rave stuff, dog? No, but like I want specifically a character that just walks out to edm music or walks out to dubstep and it's so blake just, and murphy that's what i was gonna say like blake and murphy had the music but like that's literally all they had <laughs> and we're then, australian also and then alexa bliss kind of had a bit of it but again it was just the music it's literally <laughs> nothing else like alexa. i want someone who i want someone who lives the gimmick bro Remember when she was a fairy and she would blow like like, like, like faith dust and faith trust and pixie dust or some such. I thing. wish she, I wish she did that entrance, but with wake and blessings, it was just kind of like wow. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> she just blew glitter in everyone's face. <laughs> yeah. That oh my god, dude, that's like her. Like okay, so she's managing a new tag team, and that's her Mister Fuji. Mister Fuji blows like throws salt. She just throw <laughs> glitter in people's eyes, and that's how they would her team would win. Oh, anyway, we're talking about the uh, the top five. <laughs> well, obviously, my number features. one finisher is Alexa Bliss's glitter to the eyes. I've already said that mine was Steve Blackman's entrance. <laughs> yep. Uh, Matt, let's start. We, we we both have five. Let's start with number five and work to number one. What do you got for your fifth favorite finishing maneuver? I feel like as I wrote this down, it was almost sacrilege to write it because it's a variation of a very of someone else's famous finisher. Ooh. But I, I put in Kari Sane's elbow drop. Kari Sane. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to picture it. And it yeah. was like, it was a it was a very macho manish elbow drop, wasn't it? It was a very it was like a an exaggerated macho man like elbow drop. Like I it's loved a good one. She she hung in the air for so like I know when you're growing up and you watch Macho Man, like I love Macho Man. I love the elbow drop. And it seemed like he hung in the air forever. Like Kari Sane like perfected that somehow. And I always love if 
if someone does someone else's finisher, like, mm-hmm. it kind of stinks sometimes. But if you can really put your own spin on it and mm-hmm. make it your own, like that's where the magic happens. Like uh, John Morrison doing RVDs. But like John Morrison added a bunch of more flips to it. Oh, the like the corner, like he has this like whatever starship splash. pain, I think. Starship but, pain. But, but it's very much like RVD's like whatever John that was called. His hair are perfect. The, the Brian Pillman Jr. hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually really into that one. That like, man, it makes me miss Kyrie Sane also. I know that pirate princess. Exactly what we needed in this world. Um, my number five. I <laughs> Mine feels a little, like maybe too much more mainstream. My number five, and it's weirdly kind of inver- an inversion of what you just said. Uh, sweet chin music. I love a super kick. Yeah. I love a super kick that finishes a match. I feel like, like I don't want to like talk down to today's generation of wrestlers, the young bucks, but like the sweet chin music was such a powerful out of nowhere finisher that could be hit on anybody at any time and be utterly devastating and now it's become sort of a joke gimmick and that yeah. kills me because like man when sean would tune up the band in the corner and just stomp his foot like i was so ready for it and that's how you knew oh if he hits that match is over it's done it has such a good build up to it as well i mean he can that's a move he can he can pop out of nowhere which is great mm-hmm. But the buildup to it is so exciting because you don't know if like the guy's about to kick is going to duck out of the way or something or come to. Yeah. And like, that's what makes a great finisher is like there is a like great buildup to it. Yeah. The out of nowhere aspect is great, too, but I like the buildup more. I, 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 I do. I, too, prefer the buildup when he's like and I quote tuning up the band. Yeah. Like it's it's so it's so good. And like it just especially at the time it was unique it was Mm -hmm. new and it was like done like the tuning up the band theatrics of it just made it a it fit the character really well yes and b like it got like when you saw him start stomping his foot in the corner you're like oh wait here it comes here comes oh wait here you'd lean in closer to the tv and then he'd throw the foot out there and his opponent would duck it and you go oh no and then he'd turn around and hit it anyway and boom yeah it's just so good Whew. Matt, Ooh. what's your what's your number four? Uh, this is a very specific move only used by one person for a short amount of time in WCW. Oh, wow. It is Chris Jericho's The Lion Tamer. Now, I'm going to stop for a second. I understand. He had the quote unquote Lion Tamer, which became the Walls of Jericho in WWF. But the Lion Tamer he did in WCW, and I think he might have done it a little early in WWF at the time, too. That's like, it's not the Boston Crab. He does the Boston Crab for the Lion Tamer, and it's not great. Um, The one I like is where that person's body, the the person he's wrestling, is like almost vertical, and he has his knee. It's just their head pulled back. Yeah, and he's got the knee on the upper back and on the neck, like really pulling. Like, it is the most painful looking thing. It's the most, like, Healy submission finisher I could think of. It, it that almost that almost made my list because I 100% agree. Um, also, there were times when I feel like he busted out it out here and there once in a great, great while in WWE, but I like I feel like it was always much later in the run. Yeah, when he like, uh, I feel like that was something we probably saw during the like the I'm wearing a suit Chris Jericho situation. Yes, um, god, that was such a good move. Yeah, such a good move. 
that's the only submission on my list actually and that and that kind of stinks because like there's so many good submissions that i just i threw this together right before we were it, i just did top five ones that came to mind like when you said top five uh finishers i'm like here's the five that come to mind immediately that has yeah. to be my top five you know yeah well I, and i feel weird because i have no submissions on mine but my number four is the brain buster oh I my love, god i love a brain buster my my i have two i have two favorites two people that do it for my money the best the first el generico mm-hmm. uh sammy zane's best friend uh watching elgin like being a fan of El Generico, watching him on the indies over the years and watching him hit that brain buster and ooh, and the times when he'd get someone on the top rope and then do a brain buster onto the top turnbuckle. Yeah. Magic. It's such it's such a vicious looking move, but it's also incredibly simple. Like in its in, in its heart, it's a suplex, you know, yes. like it's a, it's a suplex. But like it works. It absolutely works. Uh, my other favorite person doing that is current modern day John Moxley. He does the the double underhook brain buster, which is it's I, he calls it the paradigm shift, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's like it's he, he did the double arm DDT for so long uh, in WWE. Uh, which is a good quick move to hit, but like I love him lifting that person up off the ground and then just dropping him straight on his head. Yes, obviously he's, they're they're protected. He's not actually dropping someone head first, like blonde darting them into the mat. But like it's such a it's just a really really good 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 looking move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this will bring me to my number three, I guess. Um, It's kind of a bad move that I really, really like. Well, it, it, this Ooh. is a two-parter, Chris, because I have the rock bottom in, into the people's elbow. Um, well, the rock bottom never really led to the people's elbow, though. Didn't it was it? a spine buster into the people's elbow. It was elbow. a spine buster. You're right. Okay. Matt. Oh, man. I screwed this up. It's like you don't even know the rock I, at all. I've never seen wrestling before. Okay, The Rock is a wrestler whose real name is Dwayne Johnson. He, oh, I know might, him. You should watch Young Rock on NBC. It'll tell, I do. It'll explain it all to you. Um, also, The Fast and the Furious number five. Just oh, that one, though. No other this, one. This is bad because I, I have Rock Bottom. And yeah, you're, yeah, he never went into that. And The Rock I mean, Bottom you, on its like, own isn't that... I, I, like, I like The Rock I Bottom. Like I think it. The Rock Bottom's a good move. But like The People's Elbow... It's so dumb. I love it. It's so dumb, but it also looks so cool. Do, Matt, okay, quiz time. Do you have a favorite people's elbow? No, I don't. I ha- like because I have two. There's one like when he's fighting the corporation, I think, or maybe it was a little bit before that. When as he's running back, he stops and his shoes slide across the ring. So he <laughs> slides across the ring and then drops the elbow. And there's another one where he's fighting RVD. And as he's coming back, he's doing the art thing. And he just does the thumbs thing. The RVD. And then hits him with the elbow. I'm like, it's like the beauty of the people's elbow is that it's so easily modifiable to like whoever he's facing in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure at some point he gave John Cena a, you can't see me before hitting the elbow. I believe that had to have happened. Uh, Yeah. I I like the people's elbow. It's a dumb move. It takes too long to set up, but it's like very of that character. 
Well, and also WWE like promoted it as like a finishing move. Like mm-hmm. it ended so many. The Rock won any number of WWE titles by hitting the people's elbow. Yes. Also, it's our move. It's the people. It's for elbow. us. He's not doing it for Vince McMahon. It's not the Vince McMahon elbow. No. It's Didn't not. They, call, they called it the corporate elbow for a while. It I was the corporate elbow while he was in the corporation. Yes. But anyway, Chris, you're number three. My number three uh, is, uh, I'm just going to say it, the Stone Cold Stunner. I love the Stone Cold Stunner. Yeah. I like, I can't, like, I, the, the, the Stone Cold Kevin Owens Stunner isn't quite as impactful, but like, I love the Stone Cold Stunner. And in particular, I love the Stone Cold Stunner when performed on The Rock. There are people who take the Stone Cold Stunner so beautifully. I would say there are three people to me on that list. I, oh, you're going to say Rock. Scott Hall and I'm going to hate what you, I'm going to hate it. Shane McMahon, even though I don't particularly like him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, Scott Hall is one of my favorites. To take that it. Scott Hall, he doesn't do anything. He leans down and then pops backwards. <laughs> and that's it. But like, granted, he does get like 17 feet <laughs> off the ground when he does it. But like, he doesn't even go down to his knees. But like, that's also, I feel that's the way everyone takes Kevin Owens stunner now. Yes. Like it's never down. Like the beauty of for my money, the rock is that he would go down to both knees and then pop up and do the flop across the ring. thing. Yeah. And it was always the very best when he would as he was flopping, he would bounce off the ropes on the side <laughs> and they continue back in the other direction. It's like he saw the Hulk Hogan HBK SummerSlam match or whatever that was. And then just decided that's how I'm taking the stunner, <laughs> even though that happened in the future. Um. And and honestly, like we've seen a lot of versions of that sort of cutter. Like there's the diamond cutter there. That's the ace. It's I believe its original name is the ace crusher or something yeah. along those lines. With like a version of like the RKO is a version of that move. Mm-hmm. But like the beauty of the stunner is the reaction out of the person that it's applied to. Yes. A Austin can hit it on anyone out of nowhere. But also it's all about who's selling it because like take the RKO or the diamond cutter, for example, when you hit them with that, they're just dead on the ground. It's done. When you hit someone with the stunner, they're going somewhere because, and if, and if they're Vince McMahon, they're like flopping somewhere. Vince McMahon is the worst. Mm, Donald Trump's also terrible at taking Uh, it. Uh, Linda McMahon didn't do so well. No, no. The McMahons and Trump's, um, he would, he like, he would just go down with Austin and then just roll over. (laughs) Yeah. Just oh, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna shake on the ground. But uh, yeah, I I I man, I love the stunner. Chris, here's how much I love it. It's my number two. Oh wow, awesome. Okay, we Go did one. Oh, that that's it. We did it. We've already said everything. I I, I think again, it, it, this ties it. It's so tied to that character. Where like the setup for it is, he kicks you in the stomach. You bend down. He flips you off with both fingers. Then gives you the stunner. Like there's so much attitude tied in with that character to that move also in my mind the moment he hits it they then play his theme song the glass yeah. breaks again <laughs> like like dun, 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 boom, dun. stunner boom <laughs> like in like because honestly at this point i remember it more for when it happened not in matches than when it happened in matches yeah well, because I'm, he every once in a while stone cold will just come back and give a few people a stunner and then go back home to los angeles that weird time where like stone cold was in wwe or wwf at the time but never wrestled just would show up do something hilarious or awesome and then just leave do you remember when he was the sheriff of raw uh yep <laughs> when he wore like the badge on his t-shirt 
Isn't that where the same time when he had a cowboy hat and then he gave Kurt Angle a tiny cowboy hat? No, that is when he turned heel on the rocket WrestleMania and aligned with Vince McMahon. When he was sheriff of Raw, he wore the badge and he was essentially there to keep general manager Eric Bischoff in line. Like for some reason, I don't know. It's very strange. (laughs) We need to have Stone Cold do something silly. Yeah, he could. Well, I get like he couldn't wrestle at the time. So what do we have him do? Uh, Give him a badge and an ATV and let him uh, unleash his brand of justice on Raw. Uh, Chris, you're number two, (sighs) sir. Uh, My number two. I was originally going to go with the pedigree because I really love the pedigree. And then I thought about why do I love the pedigree? It's because I love the angels wings. Christopher Daniels finishing move, Mm -hmm. which is do you know? Do you know what the move I'm talking about? No, I do not. So essentially it's he loads them up like a pedigree, but then he picks them up off the ground and then does like a sit down, sit out pedigree. So like he face plants it, but he goes down to the ground with them. It's not down to his knees. It's down to sitting position. It is such a good move. And uh, it's like it always felt to me like the next evolution of what the pedigree is where he like, especially like depending on the opponent, he would, he would hoist them up high as if he was going for sort of a double underhook pile driver and then just bring them down face first into the mat. And it was, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's great. It makes me very happy. What's your number two, Matt? Uh, My number two is stone cold. So I remember. Oh, that's right. What's your number one? Number one, one with a bullet. Okay. This is, I'm going to say it first and I'll discuss it for a second. Okay. Uh, It's the Death Valley driver. Now, the Death Valley driver is just a standing fireman's carry. Kind of, kind of. Um, There are two people I feel that did uh, the perfect Death Valley driver. It's actually Godfather. Uh, He called it the pimp drop. Pimp drop, baby. And then Perry Saturn. Now, what these two guys did differently was it was more about a drop on the head. It's still safe-ish because it was upper shoulders with the, their opponent would land, but it looked like they were landing on their head. Yeah. Cause I mean, you have um, John Cena does the AA, but that's, you know, mostly they just land flat on their back in this house, Matt, we call it the F U the F U sorry, the attitude adjustment or the yeah. F U <laughs> ruthless aggression. Uh, but what I love about the death Valley driver, it's, it's just a modified, very simple move that was modified to look exceptionally dangerous and it very much fit the attitude era time. I know there's a lot of people that did the death blade driver, but to me, uh, Perry Saturn and Godfather were probably two of the best. I almost put Canyon's flatliner here. I, 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 well, I, I agree with you about, uh, Saturn and the Godfather. I will say also before I decided on Hornswoggle McMahon, I was going to do the life and times of Moppy for a segment too. Oh. But I figured like that's something we need to collab on. Yeah. Um, but, I would also say Tommy Dreamer has a good Death Valley driver. Yes, 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 he does. I really like Tommy the Dreamer Dreamer's. driver. Yeah, his is a that's little a, bit. That's his, a great move. His is modified though. He moves you to the sh- one shoulder, doesn't he? Before he drops you, he might. I'm. I think so. His is fantastic, but 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 you know, I guess it, what you're I would say at, is you're looking at traditional DVDs as they were. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm, and I mean, what I'm really talking about here is just a standing fireman's carry. It's just the, the variation of being dropped on your head is what I like more because it looks more painful than just uh, land on your back. Because I yeah. give my son, uh, you know, a standing fireman's carry all the time when we wrestle. I'm not going to give him a Death Valley driver. So then so then the fi- standing fireman's carry and the Death Valley driver are not the same move. Kind of, but not really. Yeah, because it also what I also like is when like with the pimp drop, like 
Godfather went down with you and it like put yeah. his weight on top of you, which I really, really like because he's a big dude. Like he's a big burly guy. Um, John Cena's is almost like uh, he just kind of throws you and it still looks good. I think it's a great move, but it's not like I think there's more devastating versions of that. I will say I like what the AA evolved into as compared to what it was originally, which was it was very much originally a very almost standard Death Valley driver, but it just yeah. didn't work well with Cena. Yeah. He, like as it evolved, he put a lot of attitude on it, and he would start to do that thing where he would look like not only get the opponent, but then hoist them up. Yes. So then they would yes. come crashing down. He gets them more in the air. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I've been talking about like the, I like when people put their spin on something or really yes. add a little bit of their own flavor. Uh, and that'll bring you to my number one, Matt. Number one. Uh, I might have spoiled it to you because I discussed it earlier in our chat room. But my favorite finisher of all time, period, end of sentence, is the package pile driver, a yes. move we still haven't seen. So, okay. My first exposure to the package pile driver was Kevin Steen in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Um, and it like, it's such a, if you have, if you don't know offhand what the package pile driver is, it is currently the finisher used by, uh, Penta in AEW. His, his version's fine. It doesn't, for me, it's just, it, it's not as good as Steen's, but like his version's also really, really good. And Steen's was just my first exposure to it. It, it's such a simple move as like, I love, there's a lot of sort of package. There's like a package power bomb that are like, these are very simple moves where you're just kind of, you're, 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 you're essentially folding your opponent into a tight ball just to pick them up and drop them on their head. Yeah. Like, and while it's simple and easy to pull off, it looks so cool and it looks it's it, it somehow even though it's I would I would argue is probably less dangerous than a traditional pile driver. It looks more dangerous than a traditional pile driver. It is. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And um, Steen hit or Owens, as he is known now, Kevin Owens has teased it a lot in WWE, but still hasn't pulled it out. It, I remember the first time he teased it, he got someone up in that package pile driver position. And I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. And then he did this weird, like turnout power bomb thing with it where he turned it into a package bomb, I guess. I don't know what it was called. Uh, and we've seen that pop up from time to time, but man, I know WWE frowns on pile drivers unless it's the Undertaker hoisting Goldberg over his head for some reason. Yeah. But like, I would really, really love to see a package pile driver make its way onto the show at some point. Like, like, and I thought, I honestly thought we were going to see it at this WrestleMania because like if for my mind, there is no better place to do it than a match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because they have all that history together and no one is going to be better at taking a package pile driver from Kevin Owens than the guy who's been taking them for like 15 years. Exactly. Like that would have been the spot. So since we didn't get it there, I would be surprised if we ever got it. But man. I do want to give a shout out to uh, the Razor's Edge, one of my favorite variations of the power Ooh, bomb. The Razor's Edge is so good. The only issue I have with it is the setup is forever. It is the oh, longest setup. He has to put him down there. He has to put his arms out and all well, that like stuff. You he, you you get him in the in the power bomb position, then you lift them onto your shoulder, then you put your hands underneath their arms, and then lift them up, then throw them. It's like, it's a, it's too many steps. It's but it is like my favorite probably finisher. It's just. I can't put it on this list. You know, I think I think I've seen it done in a way where it's very uh, streamlined. 
Yeah. It flows better. And I think that would be good. It's a good move. It is a very yeah. good move. Uh, Chris, let's, let's talk, talk about, about our worst. Yeah, let's like, talk we, about the not good moves. Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I put on, and these two can go right together, okay. uh, the worm slash Otis's thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know, Matt? The worm made my worst list. The worm, I, I, I legit forgot about Otis's stupid thing. They're like, the same it's thing. <laughs> uh, the, wor- the worm is bad. I understand it's playing to the audience. And like, I understand that we're saying the worm is bad after we talked about how great the people's elbow <laughs> is. They're yeah, the I, same move. I want to be very specific here. And I want to separate the two. Uh, the people's elbow is all about getting like a unpadded elbow right into like the heart or the chest of the person falling on them. That is painful. The, the worm, worm is like a falling chop. It's a falling chop. And it's just, it's, it's like an it's open hand. Sled it's chop. so dumb. It's, also, it's dance moves. Like, get out of here. I hated and Otis too did cool. The sa- and Otis did the same thing. I didn't hate too cool. And I actually like there are times when I really like too cool. And I continue to really like uh, Scotty too hottie. Um, but yeah, the worm, the worm was very indicative of a very certain time in WWE. Yes. Um, and, and Otis's, uh, is very indicative of a gimmick that was left in the dust. What's his finisher now? Tagging with Chad Gable. I don't know. What a weird tag team. Chris, give me one of your worst. If only, if only there was someone more suitable to be Otis's tag team partner in WWE. Oh wait, he doesn't work there anymore. Eva Marie. Oh God. She's back. They just, Matt, they just WWE just let go of a bunch of wrestlers and brought back Eva Marie. Here's just the thing chew on that. I tweeted about that and got people. People got very angry at me because I said like, hey, uh, like I enjoyed Eva Marie's run right before she was let go. Like, I hope she can bring some of that fun back. Um, and people got super mad. Me, like, well, they let go of all these people. I'm like, yeah, but like it sucks that WWE brought on somebody after firing a bunch of people. However, why should I be mad at that performer who just got a new job? Like, it's not their fault. Be mad at the company. Don't be mad at the person. Right. It's not it's not their fault. I am very curious. Like, Eva Marie's strong suit was never wrestling. So I'm very curious to see what she's bringing to the table. Well, you know what? I wish the best for everybody. I don't want to see failure, period. Like, it's it stinks to, you know. Oh, for sure. I do not want to see people fail. But even Marie's run right before she left where like she kept getting out of matches because things were happening to her or like and she had a ref like that she was paying under the table or ref that loved her or something like I really enjoyed that stuff it was a ton of fun like right. I like weird things like that I don't agree but okay but also just let me like what I like and don't play Dude, what about yeah. ism no what, what about ism what about yeah Eva I can Marie. play what about ism all day what about uh May Young's hand baby what about, what about sexual chocolate? It's sexual, baby. God, that was such oh. a good gimmick. Such a good gimmick for its time. Oh, I'm going to give it all to you. Right on. All right, Nation Domination is broken up. What do we do? I don't know. Mark Henry's good at sex? No, Mark <laughs> Henry's a sexy candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at sex. He, he made a woman give birth to He made an elderly woman give birth to a hand. What a weird and wonderful, wonderful story. Oh, uh, Chris, give me a worst. 
so already said the worm. Uh, I have two more on my list, Matt. The stink face is a terrible move. I Bad. think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I never enjoyed it. I thought it was dumb when he was doing it to good guys. thought it was dumb when he was doing it to bad guys. It's just rubbing your ass in somebody's face. Yes. That's not good. Also, also, there, there was this weird period of time during the dying days of the divas. Uh, in WWE where like women would use like some women would use the stink face as a finisher and guys would be like, yeah. And I'd be like, it's still someone rubbing their butt in someone else's face as an offensive maneuver. This is dumb. I don't understand why you think this is great. Oh, they're not getting up from that one. They got pink eye. (laughs) That would be amazing. Hey, editing Matt here. There is a uh, like five minute sequence at this point where Chris and I yell about, uh, the move crossroads. I hate it. Chris doesn't. I am currently talking to Chris to see if we can just release that as a bonus episode of just Chris and I yelling at each other. I don't like it. It makes me look so stupid and dumb, but I cut it out. So there you go. Bye. So it's going to be a bonus episode. I'm just putting this in as transition because when I cut it out, it's just like Chris saying like, ah, ha, ha. And then the next segment starts and it's super awkward. So I thought I'd put in this, which now in hindsight feels more awkward. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, the year, oh god the year is 2006 Sorry. uh you might know you might remember finley his name is finley fit? and he likes to finley? fight fit finley he <laughs> likes to fight uh he carries around a, a stick that he calls a shillelagh <laughs> i still am not entirely sure what makes it sh- evidently a shillelagh is a real thing i think it's a stick with like a piece of wood stuck to the end of it i don't know the best um, part was his entrance music always opened up with my name's finley i like to fight it's like i know who you are (laughs) and it was like this very like dramatic irish tune yes it was like it didn't really fit the character at all like it should have been my name is finley and i like to fight and then he goes fella oh boy uh so cut to in 2006 in the midst of finley's career uh he he matt yeah. After he beats Paul Burchill on an episode of SmackDown. In no. May, yeah. Pirate the Pirate? Paul, baby. Oh. Pirate Paul. Finley beat him and then magically from under the ring came a leprechaun <laughs> who just got into the ring and taunted Paul Burchill for losing. That was it. He was named Little Bastard. <laughs> that was Matt. That was his name for almost a year. He was just known as Little Bastard for almost a year. Uh, <laughs> Choose your fighter in the new SmackDown game. Oh, I don't know who to pick. I can pick Chris Bastard? Jericho or Lil Bastard. Well, I distinctly remember in one of the Smack earlier SmackDown video games during his run, you couldn't pick him as a character, but one of fin- Finley's special moves was you hit a button combination and Little Bastard would come out from under the ring and hand you the shillelagh. 
I need this game. Which one was it? I don't remember, man. I'm assuming it was the one from 2007. Probably. Uh, in reality, L- Little Bastard was a wrestler named Dylan Postel who uh, is still wrestling on the indies today. And also recently had a boxing match. Did he really? Yeah, he lost. Oh, wow. He lost against a real boxer, but like, good for him, man. He seems uh, like a he good also, guy. He also books his own federation in Wisconsin, ACW. Like, go let's go up there. I kind of want to. Like, I'm I'm not against it. Where in Wisconsin is the question? Oshkosh, I think. Oh, dude, that's right across the border. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. It would do. We can go to Gurney Mills and then Six Flags Great America, too. All in one day. Plus They're all right next show? to each other. Like, that's like a big day. I'm into I it. Know. Uh, okay, so little bastard, he popped out from under the ring. He be, he mocked. He didn't attack. He mocked Paul Burchill for losing laughing at him. You remember you remember early days uh, swoggle where he was just like, <laughs> it was yeah, like a it was maniacal. Creepy. It was a maniacal evil like laugh. It was it, it, it was scary. Uh, and then he just continued to do this. He would just pop out from under the ring to mock and or attack Finley's opponents over time. I don't know how to explain Hornswoggle for those of you that didn't watch this era of WWE other than he was just a chaotic ball of uh, Irish energy. Yeah. It's just like he wanted to like Finley. He wanted to fight, but he had zero self-control about it. (laughs) (laughs) And he wasn't. And what's more, he wasn't even booked in matches. So like he had no control. He wasn't booked. He still wanted to fight and he would still inject himself in finley's matches whether that was helping finley win the united states championship from current world champion bobby lashley uh wait was uh, this are you sure this wasn't 2021 (laughs) fingers crossed um at one point in a match versus mr kennedy he did a swanton bob on kennedy off of a stepladder I can't wait for our segment in the future uh, titled remember when WWE was pushing Kennedy so much. Oh, Matt, we'll actually get talk about that a little bit coming up in this oh. very segment. Good. Um, So. It's he just kept involving himself. The little bastard kept involving himself in Finley's <laughs> matches. Uh, then we get to like this began, Matt, in May 2007 or 2006. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until February 2007 that he was rechristened Hornswoggle. So he was literally Little Bastard for almost a year. And I did not remember that at all until I read it. And I was like, oh, wait, that's right. He had a very not PG name. Was it like JR that kept calling him little like, oh, there's that little bastard. <laughs> I don't even think JR was on commentary on SmackDown at this point. I think it was like Cole, Cole and, and Coachman, somebody. Cole and Coach or maybe Cole and Jibble. Yeah. Um. But so he gets uh, Jesus. This all boils to a point where Matt Hornswoggle wins a title. At the Great American Bash in the summer of 2007, Hornswoggle is entered in a into a cruiserweight open with legitimately great wrestlers like Chavo Guerrero, Jimmy Wang Yang, Funaki, Shannon Moore and Jamie Noble. And at the end of that match, the cruiserweight champion was Hornswoggle, Finley's leprechaun friend. Because okay. Swoggle Mania, it's like, like it's it's it sounds weird in hindsight to say it, but as WWE start to lean toward a younger audience, 
Swoggle was one of the most popular performers in the company, full stop. Like, because kids loved him. He was just a cool little leprechaun guy. I wasn't watching, like, during this time, really, but, like, that seems insane to me. Like, dude, he has so many action figures. He was so over with the crowd. Like, and and it honestly, it propelled Finley to higher heights than he would have been. Because at this point, Finley, like, Finley is a legend. He is a mm-hmm. he is a seasoned veteran, and I believe he's still one of WWE's top producers, maybe. I believe he's still there, yeah. Or at least he was. But like he was, I would argue that he was never more mainstream than when he had Swoggle at his side, because like that combination just worked with audiences and people, the younger audiences just loved this character. So WWE uh, decided to uh, push it to see how far they could take it. And then that's when we get to the summer of 2007, Matt, Mm -hmm. when it's revealed that Vince McMahon has an illegitimate son. (gasps) I know where this is going, but also I'm very shocked. So there are reports that it wasn't uh, like, obviously, you know, based on what the segment is that Hornswoggle is revealed to be Vince's son. Wow. Which truly makes him a little bastard. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) I hadn't thought about that, but yes. Um, But there are reports that it wasn't originally going to be Hornswoggle. The reports are that it was Jason Jordan. No, (laughs) who's my dad? I'm sick of this drama. Sorry, it's not Kurt Angle. It's Vince McMahon. No, there are reports that it was actually supposed to be Mr. Kennedy. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But there is speculation that like once the Internet wrestling community found out about that and spread that word, that plans changed. And thus, Ken Kennedy went from being the guy picked to be sort of the Vince's illegitimate child to horn swoggle being introduced as Vince's illegitimate child horn swoggle McMahon McMahon. Um, at this point, th- and this happened while horn swoggle was cruiserweight champion. Uh, and that is what led to the cruiserweight championship being retired. This horn swoggle. Obviously, the Cruiserweight Championship is a thing now in WWE. Yeah. But until that came back, Hornswoggle was the final WWE Cruiserweight Champion ever. Uh, he was forced to relinquish it by Vicky, by SmackDown GM Vicky Guerrero, who said Vince McMahon's child would be in danger in this situation. So I can't let you compete. You have to turn. You have to relinquish the belt. And then they just SmackDown just forgot about it. They just stopped doing anything with it. Uh, so it was unofficially retired. Uh, he held he held the title for 65 full days. Matt, I don't know if you'll be surprised by this. Vince was not happy finding out that Hornswoggle was his child in storyline. So okay. much so that like, had, had, Matt, had, you, you just learned you have a son. I do have you a just, son, actually. No, but like, let's just say you just learned you fathered an illegitimate child. And you've just been introduced to that child. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to that child? Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of soul searching in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, am I as a human being a piece of garbage for not knowing about this and not taking care of that kid? Um, uh, it's going to be a, a cavalcade of emotions, a cornucopia of emotions that I, I wouldn't know how to deal with it. Um, how would I, you treat the child, though? Oh, uh, like a child that needs to be loved and cared for. 
even though even though technically I guess this child is an adult, we don't know how leprechauns age to be. Well, honest. I mean, if it was an adult, I would try my best to connect with the um adult child of mine. Mm-hmm. Um Oh man, you just put me down like a weird like road to like, oh man, like I'm at that age where like I could have no, I don't. And I don't I could not have one, but like I could be like an a there could I could have like a 20 year old kid running around somewhere. That would be weird. I mean, I don't. There's no way in hell I do. But like I could. <laughs> like we're old enough where we could, could be a right. thing. <laughs> but Matt, so are you anyway, are you telling me that your response wouldn't be to uh, book your child in wrestling matches against much larger opponents that beat the crap out of him? Well, let's put it this way. Let's. Put, I mean, as you know, a news editor, I wouldn't be like, oh, here's my illegitimate kid. I better make him a freelance writer. Like, I wouldn't do that. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. But but would you make would you <laughs> would you make your if let's say this child is eight, would you make that child fight our boss, Mike? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, wanna, OK. So then you see understand- a kid beat up Mike. Come on. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> so Rajoe. So then you understand where Vince is coming from. Yeah, yeah. His tough love approach to raising his new adult leprechaun. Child. I would I would tell my son, be like, listen, my boss is Mike Rajoe. Um, his family claims to, to the be Rougeau wrestling. Yeah, I was family. Gonna say, they, his family claims to be real fabulous. I want you to knock that fabulous family down a peg and beat them <laughs> up. Yes. Uh, well, that I mean, that's what Vince did. He he booked <laughs> Vince McMahon. <laughs> you are Vince McMahon in this situation. He booked he booked Hornswoggle in matches with much bigger people, including Matt at Survivor Series 2007. Vince McMahon booked Hornswoggle versus the Great Kali. <laughs> Oh, that's a match. That is like what a barn burner. Am I right? <laughs> uh, surprisingly, Kali won, but not by how you would expect. He actually won by disqualification because Finley attacked. <laughs> what a stupid match. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it, Matt, it gets so much weirder. Uh, February 18th, 2008, Monday Night Raw. The, this, this whole storyline is finally coming to a head. Vince McMahon. Versus Hornswoggle McMahon in a steel cage match. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm Vince, on board. Vince spends the majority of the match whipping Hornswoggle with a leather belt. <laughs> You've been he's a naughty give, boy. He's given he's given him a real proper spanking. <laughs> Go to your room without dinner. Uh, so Finley, Finley tries to save the little guy, uh, but he gets attacked by JBL, who's inserted himself into this quote unquote feud. He <laughs> um, <laughs> just ding, 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 ding. Hey, I don't have anything going on. Can I be in this? So fin- so JBL attacks Finley and handcuffs him to the ropes. Mm-hmm. So he can't save Hornswoggle. And then he proceeds to beat the crap out of Hornswoggle. So bad that WWE announces that Swoggle has suffered bleeding of the brain and spinal trauma. That is a quote. Uh, yes. Very, very <laughs> scientific terminology. Bleeding of the brain and spinal trauma. He suffers from bleeding of the brain. But it doesn't end there because one week later with Hornswoggle in the hospital, JBL makes a shocking announcement. Mm-hmm. Hornswoggle is not Vince McMahon's child because in reality, he's Finley's child. Okay. Uh, Finley says, yes, 
Sworn swoggles my child, and then JBL beats up Hornswoggle in the hospital. <laughs> At this point, Vizic Man has removed himself from this entire affair, which honestly is best for business for him specifically. Chris, there are so many WWF and WWE storylines where I'm as as you're explaining it to me, and we're getting towards the tail end. I'm like, what was the point? Like, what? they lost interest is what happened. No, but I mean, like, what no, was the-, the point is they didn't have a point. They were like, we'll figure it out when we get there. And then they got there and they're like, oh, oh, he's Finley's kid. Modern booking and wrestling. We don't have an end point, but we definitely have a starting one. Uh, but like, so this this is all Matt setting up a huge match between a huge, much, obviously much remembered match between Finley and JBL at WrestleMania in a Belfast brawl. Which oh, just, I bet you that's uh, a lot like a hard. Chicago street fight. <laughs> Or a hardcore match or any other no, uh, false count anywhere. No holes yeah. barred. Um, this 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 match at WrestleMania is also the return of Hornswoggle really setting up like a hero's moment. Hornswoggle is back. Finley is finally going to triumph over the evil JBL. The two Irishmen are going to stand tall at WrestleMania. G- goodness is saved. Um, JBL won. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so like it. it all of this buildup that could have been used to theoretically build because like JBL didn't need more building. He had been he was SmackDown champion for like 17 years. Like, yeah. he, like he's he's fine. All this to build up Finley and then uh, uh, JBL won. And then Finley and Hornswoggle were drafted to ECW shortly thereafter. Ah, uh, yes. And that was kind of the end. Like they just forgot about the whole thing. Like it's so it's so strange. But wasn't um, wasn't Hornswoggle the anonymous raw GM technically? So that's the thing. Am there I are, jumping? Am I jumping the shark or jumping the gun uh, here? Not not entirely. There are okay. there are some Hornswoggle highlights from there that like I don't know that we'll ever get get to do a full episode on, but like I feel like they're important to talk about. One is it like yes, Hornswoggle was revealed somehow to be the anonymous raw general manager. Unfortunately, well, fortunately because it ended that stupid storyline of Michael Cole being like, "Can I have your attention, please?" Um. Also, Hornswoggle is officially a DX member, though he was not inducted into the Hall of Fame, which I find offensive. Uh, That, Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but like. At one point, Hornswoggle was attacked by Shawn Michaels and HBK or Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Hornswoggle sued them for assault in little people's court. Which oh, was God, literally, this sounds very offensive. Yeah, it was. But it was a sketch. Literally, it was a courtroom set up full of little people uh, that were like judging uh, Shawn Michaels Triple H for assaulting Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle dropped the charges in little people's court when Shawn Michaels and Triple H agreed to let him be the official DX mascot. Okay. At which point he would accompany them to the ring wearing like a military hat helmet. And a DX t-shirt. And there is actually a DX action figure set that is Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Hornswoggle. That exists somehow. I'm into that. Uh, so, like, he's officially a DX member. Uh, then, of course, uh, for my money, Hornswoggle's best moment came in 2014 when he was still with WWE. And it is actually something he points to as his best match. And that is WLC, a TLC match between El Torito and uh, Hornswoggle. El Torito, of course, was the manager slash mascot of Los Matadores. Mm-hmm. At this point, Hornswoggle was the official mascot of the greatest faction of all time, Matt. 
three man band. Yes. Yes, he was. So they're technically a four man band, but like we don't want to. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen the WLC match, it's it's a legitimately good. It's match good. Between I actually two I do like that match a lot. Yeah. And For that his, honestly, that's the, the life and times of uh, Hornswoggle McMahon. Uh, Finley and Finley. Well, oh, I no. mean, Hornswoggle F- McMahon hyphen Finley. Hyphen Guerrero hyphen Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyphen WWE. Why? Hyphen Postal, which is his actual name. I would love to look through and see how many WWE storylines there are of who's the daddy. Who's Honestly, the- <laughs> that's that sounds like a good story that someone should write. Matt. Yeah. Oh, I don't have time to write that. Who's no. the <laughs> headline? Who's the daddy? That's it. It doesn't say anything else except who's the <laughs> who's the daddy? Colin wrestling's weirdest parentage. No, nothing afterwards. No? So just, just who's the daddy? It just, it just dies in Google. Wow, <laughs> that sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> who's who's the? I post it on Twitter and it gets one retweet from you, zero likes, zero clicks. I I would I would I would one hundred percent retweet that. Oh wow, that was a horn swoggly episode. Sure this, is a, this is a really fun, good off tangent episode before we get back to um, our one year anniversary next week. Next week. Still don't know what we're doing, but it's going to be great. We'll see what happens. You'll be you'll be as excited and surprised as we are. Mm-hmm. I think Keisha's coming back. I believe we got Keisha. That's correct. That's right, so we got the original Wrestle Buddies. Heck yeah. Maybe we'll do a Wrestle Peace Theater. Who knows what we're going to do? We don't. It's going to be a five hour spectacular. You're going to love it. Yeah. (laughs) Matt, you specifically, you're going to love editing it. I can't wait to edit it. All of your favorites are going to be on the show. Uh, Smackdown hacker. uh, uh, Prediction about 3000. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Motley Cruz. Guy Wrestleman. You know, we already said him. Uh, I know, but I hate him. We, we really should bring back typical wrestling podcast since Keisha was the first person on that. It's true. Uh, all of the things you probably hate are could... mediocreist hits. Yeah. Our big... By the way, speaking of hits, go give us a five star hit on uh, Apple podcasts and rate us and review us. Thanks, please. Thank you. Goodbye. That's it for this week. We will see you guys <laughs> next week with our one year anniversary. Chris, any final words? No, not really. <laughs> I got nothing, man. All right. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Russell Buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com or find us over on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week. <laughs>